Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Hello you, thanks for tuning in. My name is Nick. And my name is Alex. And you're listening to The Thread with Hennessy. On SohoRadioLondon.com. Well, we're back. This is Soho Radio, the Thread Show with Nick and Alex, and we are thrilled to be joined by our two guests today, Phil Meadows and Chris Barrett, um, musicians on the jazz scene. Uh, Chris is a tuba player and uh, educator, brass teacher, and Phil is a saxophonist, composer, producer at large on the on the UK jazz scene. So, uh, welcome to you both. Yeah, hello. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thanks for coming on, guys. We um, we wanted to talk to you about the Musicians Movement uh, Facebook page that you started. Um, it was quite recently, wasn't it? Um, but I'm staggered by the number of members that have already signed up. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, how it started and the idea behind it? Yeah, cool. I'm, I'm also a little bit staggered by the amount of people as well, Nick. Um, it's been really amazing to see how many people have come together so quickly. And yeah, I guess the whole thing kicked off because obviously we're stuck in the middle of the uh, COVID-19 lockdown. And I saw lots of musicians kind of giving lots and lots of energy out on social media, which was really, really remarkable and nothing that I'd seen before. But there was also this kind of undertone where people felt a little bit disenfranchised and a little bit confused right. as to what was happening and what maybe the future of the UK music industry was going to look like because overnight, you know, all of our diaries emptied and, you know, the work was gone. So uh, me and Chris had been chatting on the phone almost daily in the build-up and there was just just one day I was like okay that's enough that's enough of people feeling bad let's create a place where people can use that energy that and hopefully you know work towards something that is good and to try and be proactive 
and get ahead of the game for once because, you know, the music industry quite often can be reactive to things and get to the crux of matters after, you know, the bus has already left the station. Got it. Got it. And so the the idea of the page is that musicians can come together and sort of uh, talk tactics, as it were, or, or joined up thinking when it comes to approaching MPs and, you know, working on solutions to try and get stuff moving, to try and lobby government, things like that? Yes, absolutely. Um, we felt that there was room for a, a well-moderated and focused space online. Um, we wanted to make sure that there was a kind of overarching space where members of the MU, uh, the ISM, people who participate in help musicians and PRS and all the other wonderful arts organizations that do so much on our behalves <clears throat> were able to communicate with each other. Uh, we also felt that it was useful to have it be um, uh, action orientated um, to make it so that it was explicitly about supplementing the work of all these other arts organizations. Um, so we weren't sort of getting in the way and we've been communicating as widely as we can across the industry. And we also thought it was useful to make it um, apolitical in the sense that we're not getting involved, although we recognize that these things are very important and we do discuss them elsewhere, we're not getting involved in party politics particularly and we're not really getting involved in general political discussions. We're trying to focus on the immediate crisis and solutions that we may be able to find together. Great. So we're um, as as we're talking now, and as this is going out, we're at the beginning of July 2020. So three and a bit months into lockdown. Um, what sort of um, uh, what sort of things are you getting up to, uh, your members getting up to in terms of trying to get some movement in our industry? Hey, I like what you did there because of the name of the group, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, I mean, we're amazed that, you know, 13 and a half thousand people have joined this group in, in 11 days today. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. And we had no idea that there were so many people feeling similar to us you know and wanting to really contribute towards having some some positive change and um our first port of call um and this has been like a democratic process all the way through uh, we've had kind of open discussion forums and uh, calls that people can drop into and share their opinions and thoughts and the group decided that our first port of action would be to try and get £64.8 million back for the Arts Council, which is the money that they've spent so far of their emergency response fund. So it's, right. you know, not a small place to start. Mm. <laughs> um, so we've started with that and we've had over 250 of the members have written to their MPs and we've really started to uh, see some positive um, comments coming from MPs and some discussions across all parties, which is amazing. Um, and today, we actually succeeded, hence why I've cracked open a beer for this. Um, <laughs> and uh, the Conservative MP for Colne Valley, Jason McCartney, yes, the question to the Prime Minister in the House of Commons that 
we were lobbying to be asked, which was for the replenishment of the 64.8 million. So that's been our first step. And um, also creating this universal network that people can kind of share information and discuss and plan action. And we've joined up in partnership with the Music Venues Trust on yes. their campaign uh, to save our venues because th their research has found that 90% of grassroots venues and festivals are going to disappear by the end of 2020 if we don't change. Yeah. We, we really are facing a, a bit of a doom and gloom catastrophe at the moment. We could we could lose a lot of our music sector by Christmas if if we yeah. don't achieve anything before. Yeah. You know. uh, mm. Is there is there specific um, funds that like you, either of you <clears throat> were reliant on in your careers that are that are that are gone now, or people close to you that that you're thinking, okay, uh, now what? <laughs> well, I I know I, I know you're not saying now what because you're trying to in, engage the government, and you've started this movement and everything, but uh. Is there some specific funds that, that you're missing already? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing to point out is that the, the reaction from the arts organizations and in particular um, Arts Council England, Help Musicians and PRS for Music has been so quick. You know, they have diverted funds to help kind of stem the flow of damage. So they've acted essentially overnight to provide funds so the industry doesn't collapse. But what that means is that to divert that income, they've closed really vital funds for development. Um, so the mm. things that allow artists to create new projects, allow festivals to uh, support their work and their planning, to allow venues to program all of this kind of stuff has disappeared. It's completely frozen. Uh, for example, Arts Council England have closed their national, uh, their open access grants, so their national lottery portfolio. Uh, no, sorry, their national lottery grants, not the portfolios. Um, and help musicians have closed things like their fusion fund. And these things are immensely helpful in sustaining and developing our art scene. So. Um, you know, we're all feeling at the moment like, you know, eternally grateful that they've diverted these funds because the government have had <laughs> some pretty big fish to fry, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. And uh, the arts is crucially important, but they've had to focus on saving lives. And that is even more important. Uh, so we're in this kind of situation now where we don't quite know how we're going to get out of it as a sector because yeah. the money that we've spent or the money that the arts council and these charities have spent has come straight out of the pocket that would normally help to develop and create opportunities for people. So that's why we're asking for the replenishment of the, of the funds really. And Chris, you might have some stuff to add to this as well. Yes, well, there's the the key thing is there's a real sense of urgency. So we could see from Arts Council England's announcement that they had closed the open access grants, as Phil's just said, as a direct response um, uh, to the COVID-19 crisis. They diverted the funds. Right. And I think probably what, what government at a macro level doesn't realize, and because I don't know how they would, is that 
say that they have the, the, you know, we know this funding package is coming. It always seems to be on the horizon. and I hope it's coming soon. But there's a space for us getting this done immediately. It's not even about investing for the future, really. It's just about keeping us alive and getting us back to zero. Because yeah. once the fund is opened, people still need to apply. People yeah. still need to have the, uh, the, the funds allocated. They've still got to go through the whole process. And as you just mm-hmm. said, it's, we're in the beginning of July now. And if we don't have this uh, funding, the 64.8 million, just to get us back to zero, then it may be that by the time this investment, which we hope is coming, um, actually hits the sector, that businesses have gone under, venues have gone under, musicians Mm -hmm. have gone under, or they've taken on so much debt that it's not really possible for them to ever climb out again. So that's why we're supplementing the work of these other institutions and trying to really uh, bring some attention to this. And uh, that's why we wanted to get the the, the um, question asked to the Prime Minister today. Um, uh, that's really cool. I mean, it's it's staggering that, you know, I, I heard the other day that the creative industries are the third biggest employer in the UK. Yeah. And the, you know, the disregard with which it's just, it's just being left as, as a sort of last decision, as an industry, the last decision. Uh, when it comes to help, I mean, you know, there's this whole thing now that the pubs are going to be opening on Saturday, um, and of course, what do, what do people do when they go to pubs? They they get drunk and they forget about social distancing, and and so yeah. how how are you leveling that against the the accusation that live music is is the the worst, the most risky, because um, of some some weird projectile thing about the virus will be contained if it gets com- comes out of a trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I play the saxophone and um I am one of those people whose music is being censored because I blow down a tube. I think the official um quote was instruments that you blow down <laughs> was the last <laughs> report I read were not allowed. Singing and instruments that you blow down. Um, there are things that you singing. can do. I mean, yeah. yeah, you can put a piece of perspex in front. You know, something as simple as that. If you're, if yeah. you're worried about, and yeah. I mean, the main thing to identify is that there is, at this time, there is uh, absolutely no scientific evidence that gives us any kind of conclusion onto in, into how far the spread is and what it achieves, uh, th- th- there's nothing. Nobody knows. And these yeah. kind of research papers are now being commissioned. And essentially what has happened is we've been told that we can't work because of something that may exist, not something that does. So it's a very precautionary mm. measure, but there's nothing in place to continue supporting the sector whilst we can't yeah. work. And... Um, it's a really interesting time and it will be a, a few months, I think, until we get official reports. There's all kinds of things flying around over social media. I mean, I saw someone try to also, on the other side of the fence, put a tissue in front of a trumpet and say, look, it doesn't yeah. move when I play. You know, so there's there's right. kind of ridiculous things on both sides. Um, uh, Chris is a tuba uh, player. I mean, you're the same, right? Yes, and it, I mean, it's one of those things. So, like, you know, when they put the the tissue in front, they were trying to point out something that's very basic, uh, which is that it's there's sound waves that travel. But just like um, if you think of the ocean, 
um, you know, the the waves move through it, the energy moves through it. That you don't get an entire, um, you don't get the whole ocean in each wave. But at the same point, you can you can say that if we don't know the risks, then it could be very dangerous. I think what we can't say is you are not allowed to work, um, and we're not going to give you any funding. Um, and we're finding that that particular point is understood across the political spectrum. So it's. You know, we we had a uh, uh, Mr. McCartney today um, speaking about it, and I think he, you know, he seemed to it seemed to be very clear to him that you cannot shut down an entire sector of the economy, and yes. then just expect it to go indefinitely without any additional funding. So that just seems a basic thing. We don't want a handout. We just yeah. want to get back to work. And if we can't get back to work. That's fine. You know, I know we haven't had time to commission peer-reviewed studies that go through the whole process because of how quickly it's going uh, or uh, how quickly the the situation has developed. Um, But if that's the case, then we need the funding to at least keep the lights on. Yeah. And when and just quickly uh, to add to that, when when Chris says we don't need or we don't want a handout, that doesn't mean we're not asking for money. We're actually asking for this uh, £64.8 million to reset the Arts Council so that Mm -hmm. we can then have, hopefully, the biggest cash injection into the sector that is worth £100 billion, the creative sector, a year. Mm -hmm. Um, The arts in particular is uh, 10.2, is it? Or 10.6 billion. And that, in my opinion, spearheads you know the creative sector we're talking yeah. huge huge sums of income for this country um and we're not asking for a handout in terms of uh, a kind of pity oh oh woe is the artists yeah. woe are the musicians oh we pity them let's give them a handout we're saying give us the tools give us that money that allows us to progress into the new normal that allows us create an industry beyond lockdown beyond covid so we are definitely asking for money and cheekily more money than ever but Um, it's not a handout i i would like to jump in here i mean uh before i start acting like a complete uh prick which i'm going to be doing on purpose here i would just like to say that i would like to say that i would like to say i would like to say uh thank you for doing this is very important work and and i i hope it, it all goes swimmingly and i hope you get the 64.8 and more and uh i'm with you i'm a musician myself and i totally get it i joined the group today on facebook before reading anything mainly because i knew you were coming on but i'm gonna play <laughs> i'm gonna play i'm gonna play uh, a little bit of, of a prick for the rest of the interview just because a bit of a negative nancy we'll say um just to kind of push back um because i think you guys have a long road ahead of you Uh, i know we don't want to play party politics but to to think that boris johnson and the tory party could give the slightest shit about the arts is is, (laughs) is, it it, 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 no it's really mind-bending i think you might get you know maybe the theater a little bit but they don't really give a shit about your saxophone playing so no offense uh so what i would like to say is i I think it's amazing. It's amazing to uh, construct the argument in these propositions around the money because that's a language that they speak. So when you say that this is a third of the economy, it's a hundred billion dollars, and we or a hundred billion pounds, and um, inject it so we can make it happen. That's brilliant. But let's just say, let's just say, it falls short. 
and in a few months time and he goes up there and he waffles on and it's like sorry mate well we, we've got a second wave and we got to look after the nhs and we got to get uh keep, take care of the essential workers here's your here's your workers allowance wage and, and that's all we got for you for a while what are you starting to think about some some next steps um or, or are you just going to keep banging on their door for the kind of injection that you're looking for? Well, I think they need, we need to understand that there's all the members of the musicians movement, including Phil and myself, who have our political beliefs and convictions. And then there's ex- there's what the group is doing specifically. So when you talk about, you know, you know, if I'm honest, we're obviously very frustrated with with some of what's happening. Um, but we found in conversations, and I really have had a number of conversations, as has Phil, with um, with MPs across the board, that there's some frustration on their side as well. So we're trying to stay away from the the, polit- uh, the party politics and just be proactive and build a really um, wide, uh, broad church, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So this isn't a pop-out. It's, yeah, it's that the, the, we, the only we only reason- have... Sorry, only, go ahead. Sorry, the only reason I said it that way is because it's the sitting government and it has been for a while and and it's what you're up against for the next few years. So it's it's all good saying what you know, I, I I get what you're saying. We're we're not a party affiliated. We're 13,000 musicians bringing you something. Um but you're dealing with with uh with Boris and, and a Tory majority. Um Well, can I can I put it um put it this way? I, I think we we should I think there's an argument to be made that neither party owns uh, culture and the arts, although you could say that maybe one is more supportive than the other historically. But what what I'm trying to do, certainly, and I, I think Phil feels this way, he can tell me if he doesn't, is if I go into a, a room where people are maybe thinking maybe they're of a slightly more conservative mindset, maybe they're uh, very conscientious and they have different views than we do, I might have a couple of studies in my pocket and I might say, right, I don't think we're going to be able to come together on some of the points that might resonate with, you know, with musicians, for instance. Um, But I might say that, look, the Henry Jackson Institute, uh, I think this was three or four years ago, this was actually post-Brexit, pointed out that the, the cultural sector of the UK made it the second power in the world. It said there was the, uh, there was the, um, the uh, America was the superpower and the UK was a global power. And I don't want to get into geopolitics, but you could point out to them that if, if the UK government is going abroad and trying to push human rights, for instance, which I hope it is, that there are real, there's real statistical evidence and data that shows the economic value, the geopolitical value of the arts in terms of not only our identities uh, as people in, in the country, but also our uh, soft, soft power and uh, our identity abroad. So if, if that if that gets us more more funding and it brings us together through music, then you know I think that's a, a positive a positive thing. Definitely. Yeah, and just quickly to add to that, um, just to kind of. Yeah give an analogy, a more relaxed analogy. Um, if you're a vegan, would you invest in KFC knowing no. that no. they're going to have those chicken farms? So the 
kind of leaving the party politics to one side does not mean that we are not political. It means that we focus on each issue as it is. So we do disagree. Well, not disagree. Well, yeah, we do disagree with Oliver Dowden's five-step plan because it, oh, we did not provide, <laughs> it didn't provide a timeline. Well, it doesn't solve anything, does it? Yeah. And, and it's a placeholder. You know, it, it, it didn't say anything. So, but at the same time, we're reaching out to all of these MPs and the guy who stood up on the benches today is a conservative MP who spoke unbelievably passionately to his party leader about our cause. And, and, and that's exactly why we need to leave these party politics to the side because we need to put music first. And in the music mm. industry, we've allowed political leanings to almost get in the way of progress for the industry at times. And we're in a situation now where, you know, we're in a very different industry to we were in 10 years ago. And, 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 and we think that this approach of taking things on a case-by-case basis and factual, you know, for example, today, we didn't necessarily get the answer to the question. So tomorrow, we continue to ask for some clarity and we continue to push out some information in support of the 64.8 million. But what we're not going to do is kind of side against it because there's a huge plate of work that, you know, uh, I, I would not want to be Boris Johnson right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would rather be anywhere else in the world than responsible for, for getting us out of this. So it, we need to keep, we, we need to realize that and we need to, to keep calm and we need to take things case by case at face value and criticize legislation rather than humans because music is for everybody. It's not for what? a particular party. Why is it whenever I'm fasting, Phil, it's all chicken and plates and cereal and food and allergies? <laughs> Constant mentions of food. <laughs> yeah, no KFC for the vegans. <laughs> I'd, li- I'd like to ask um, about positives. If we can possibly see, you know, a few months down the line, hopefully no more than that, when stuff is returning to normal. Um you know, reflecting on your lockdown experiences and innovative things that you might have seen that musicians have been up to during this time. Phil, uh, people like yourself, you've you've um, started an innovative uh, online jazz course portal. Um, yeah. Obviously, lots of, lots of musicians have been doing live streams. Um, there's been talk and we've seen videos of people doing drive-in concert series and all sorts of things. Snarky Puppy did a great educational series uh, online. Mm. Um, what, what is there anything that comes to mind in terms of stuff that you've been impressed with and and positive things that might come out of this that that benefit the the live music industry and musicians uh, going forward? Yeah, I mean, totally. You know the. At the moment, there's so much doom and gloom just because we haven't had a, a financial response yet. But yeah. the response from the individuals and from the people and the organizations within our sector has been yeah. incredible. I mean, I saw that you guys did, you know, until until it was banned, had the Ronnie Scott's live streams up straight away. And loads yeah. of people were checking that out, enjoying it. And... um. The thing that's impressed me the most um, is actually Mark Rabile, who is my uh, 
I'm, I'm a secret super fan of of him and his uh, looping magic. I yes, don't get any of that yes. out? Yeah, yeah, seen it. Yeah, and he did a whole drive through tour of the USA um, driving <laughs> cinemas. Um, and I think that I think the guy is both musically a genius, but also absolutely hilarious at the same time. I mean, he uh, did something with Erica Badu the other day that had me in stitches. Uh, <laughs> oh, I haven't checked that out yet. <laughs> Freaking incredible. Yeah, he's great. But the guy is just like, he's so lightning fast. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. But um, I've been really impressed with things like that. But I've also been really impressed in the UK um, mm-hmm. in the way that festivals and clubs and venues uh, and stuff have been reacting because um just the other day i was speaking to uh barney stevenson from the mosden jazz festival who was telling me all about this idea of uh having a kind of a, a an online festival that you know potentially could be live if we're allowed but it's not detrimental if it's not because there's this whole portal idea to it and i think the london jazz festival i've heard rumors are following similar yeah um and i think this is a really brilliant opportunity for for some progress for development and actually it it takes things like the Marsden Jazz Festival, which has been incredibly important for that community in Colne Valley and has opened up the yep. town to tourism and all kinds of stuff, they now have the chance to have a whole international audience. And to that, go global. Yeah, yep. exactly. Marsden goes global, you know. <laughs> that <laughs> that's out. a T-shirt. That's nuts, isn't it? And that's yeah. such an amazing opportunity. And I've seen the same with uh, lots of other people, lots of, the, lots of the jazz venues also trying to follow... Um, what you guys have done with the Ronnie's live streams, which you've been doing for years, you know, uh, lots of really cool late shows. And I know Nick and Alex, you guys are particularly responsible for that stuff. Um, and it's been amazing to watch some of those when I've not been able to make it into the club. And um, like places like the Vortex are trying to find ways and uh, 606 trying to find ways of following like the Smalls Jazz Club thing. Yeah, I'll tell you what, um, Shahan, the sound engineer, um, he's started a. There's a few people that are that are cooking up some ideas uh, on the tech side of how to how to move on after this uh, because you know this might not be the last time we're dealing with something like this. And I'm really interested in watching Leanne Lehabis's gig at the Roundhouse to see how good the production is uh, because yeah. I think I think you know not to say but that lo- I don't want to be in yeah. a room with other people listening, but I do think there's going to be a lot of a lot more of this digital uh, concert going. Well, well, live streaming had been here for a while, hadn't it? But maybe, maybe this whole process that we've been all been forced to go through has fast forwarded the tech to the mm. point where maybe we're now a few years ahead of where we would have otherwise been. And you've got innovation happening in terms of, I mean, this radio station, in fact, did a live stream of five musicians uh, all in different places around the UK with no latency. Yeah, I um, saw that. I mean, I have no idea how that was achieved, but it was nuts. <laughs> yeah, and you've yeah. and you've and I've heard other stories of that. I think I think Sam Leek was working on something. I think he cracked it as well. Um, so, you know, the latency issue that's that's seemingly being solved or very close to being solved, yeah. and and very innovative stuff. So that's that's Music been really at the speed of light. Yeah. Yes. Can I ask you guys a question about that? Yeah. Um, because. You're mentioning Leanne Le Havis, who I absolutely love. 
oh, amazing music. But like, do you think there could be a place, because I would love to see this, where, you know, Amazon, as well as offering Premier League football, offer live music events or, you know, almost like Sky Box Office yeah. rather than seeing yeah. Joshua, you actually get an opportunity to see Leanne La Havert or, you know, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's coming because the, the tech is getting better, you know, virtual reality headsets, maybe that's part of the future. But the fact that you you could, in theory, log into a, a show at a, a New York jazz club tonight and see something that's going on live, that's very enticing. It's you almost know? here, and if, I think. I think we're definitely going to see that. If you know the production value is good and it's not just a webcam at the back of the room, if, if it's going to be a real high-def concert experience, yeah, um, I think it's going to become more and more normalized. And I think hopefully one of the benign things, again, is going to be people are willing to pay, you know, so it's not just a throwaway thing and you can tune in for five minutes on Instagram if you fancy. No, mm-hmm. this, is, this is something that was advertised to you two weeks ago and you fancied it and you bought your ticket and you're going to be there at eight o'clock tonight because yeah. it's something that you're really looking forward to. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I do, I do think it's part of the future for sure. Yeah. Maybe another, um, just to jump in quickly, another uh, positive aspect, which we're not even sort of aware of now, which is, you know, if absence makes the heart grow fonder, then if people didn't appreciate live music before, I think they'll certainly be appreciating it now. Yes. Uh, and I'm hoping that maybe there is some there's a chance that people might really value it in a way that maybe they took for granted slightly before, even as, as a musician myself, I've been in situations where I have, you know, I'm tired and it's, you know, it, it's just the, the 50th gig of 50 and you're thinking, Oh God, here we go. Get the tube out of the case, you know, here, and then you remind yourself, no, this is, this is amazing what's happening. I'm just really tired right now. I'm not feeling like that at all. I would be, I, I would be thrilled to do any gig. Um, and I normally do feel that way, but I think across the entire industry and also across the audience, there's a chance that, that this could be, it could be positive if we get some funding and the venues. Yeah. And I would love, I would love to see, um, I mean, not to put words in uh, Mark David's mouth, who's the uh, CEO of the music venues trust, but I would love to see a scheme for UK music venues to level up their tech so that what they can offer is right. good, it like is, is payable for. Because, you know, yes. as you said, there's loads of difference between like someone popping on their MacBook webcam in their bedroom to, uh, yeah. yep. to like what you guys do with six cameras or what the Leanne Le Havis thing will be and, and things like that. So I'd love to see if there was a potential for that and 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 that would be such an incredible you know government investment um great stuff since we're all since we're all happy and excited and looking forward to how great everything's going to be i'm gonna not bring it down because i'm looking at the clock and i think we we don't have much time do you want to leave us with with one more um thought one more actionable thing and and maybe a song that we can play to since we're talking about music okay cool so um We're now starting to talk about the music and the arts sector as as kind of like Britain's biggest family is the way we're phrasing it. It's like there are tens, if not hundreds of thousands of us 
in the music and the art sector in the UK. And we are entertaining millions of people around the world every single day. And irregardless of funding and money and, you know, all the inner workings of this, I think everybody here can agree that that is absolutely incredible. And I think, you know, the idea that the art sector in the UK, a lot of this kind of like British pride is based on our cultural sector, on our fantastic uh, music scenes, theatre, you know, art galleries. We've got some of the best in the world and mm. in supporting. So we're actually starting a little campaign in response to the answer we got for the question today where we relate to it as Britain's biggest family and we need the country's support. So I'd really want people to think about that. And after all of this heavy conversation, in terms of a, a song, maybe something like a Don't Worry, Be Happy. Fantastic. Thank you. And um, so we'll, we'll end the show on that. And obviously anyone who's been listening uh, who wants to get involved, they should go and join the Musicians Movement Facebook page. Is there one sort of actionable thing that, that anyone might listen to and, you know, feeling like they want to help or get involved, whether they're a musician or not? Is there one sort of actionable thing that they could do to help? Yes. Well, in the, in the immediate future, um, we have a Twitter campaign. Um, we'll be publishing an infographic tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. that's looking at the uh, the disparity in funding in the art sector compared to some other sectors. Um, the hashtag, uh, along with this is a, a nationwide thing, is hashtag let the music play. And if you want to join the Facebook group and uh, get the infographic uh, and then tweet it in a, we're pointing out in a polite and courteous but firm way to the um, to um, Oliver Dowden, I think that would be a very helpful thing to do. Brilliant. Phil and Chris, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we're going to end on the tune that you chose, Don't Worry, Be Happy, and um, see you for one of your live gigs very soon, I hope. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs>